California Frontier Podcast, Episode 1. The California Frontier Podcast is devoted to helping you explore and discover the Golden State's early history from the time of its first peoples until statehood. My name is Damian Vassage, and I'm your host. There are 21 Franciscan missions in California, in a chain that stretches 800 miles between Sonoma and San Diego. If you've ever tried to visit all of them, you know it's a long way to drive. But imagine if you had to walk, or decided to walk, between all of them. A while back, I ran across a book on Amazon about a woman who walked the entire length of the California mission chain. It was something I've always wanted to do. And I had also heard about the California Mission Walkers, a group that supports people, exactly what their name suggests, walking between the California missions. So I ordered the book. It was titled On a Mission, an 800-mile walk to discover California's El Camino Real. When it came, I was captivated. It was personal, engaging, and written in a diary style with lots of photos taken along the way. The author had even taken the time to include a personal thank you note in the book. So when I decided to launch this podcast, one of the first people I thought about contacting in order to arrange an interview was Maggie Espinosa, the author of the book. Fortunately for me, she was really gracious and agreed to answer my questions on the air. She's a really lively person, and I think you're going to enjoy this interview. In it, I ask her about what prompted her to take this journey, about the challenges she met along the way, about what her favorite mission is, and her advice for people who'd like to hit the trail like she did. So without further ado, let's listen to Maggie tell us about her journeys. Maggie Espinosa, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Well, as I mentioned to you before we, we started recording, I when I saw your book uh, on a mission, I thought to myself, I've got to get this book uh, because it seemed, it's something that I've always wanted to do, that is to walk you know, from the beginning of the mission trail all the way to its end. Uh, so I, I was really inspired when I got it, and I... I read through it and got your, your handwritten note thanking me for purchasing it. So, first of all, I want to thank you for having written the book. Anytime. So, can you give us a little background about yourself, um, where, where you grew up, and, and what made you want to take on this project about the missions? Sure. Um, I grew up back on the East Coast in a town about 60 miles outside of Philadelphia called Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And many people know it because there is a large Amish population there. And um, I grew up there. I lived in Europe for a year and I went to college in Washington, D.C. And then I moved out to San Diego for a year, 27 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And so um, I came out here and actually I ended up meeting my husband out here, which is why I stayed out here. Great reason. Uh, 
But, you know, growing up on the East Coast, history is a huge part of just being in school and growing up there. And you're just surrounded, whether you're at the Liberty Bell or you go to Boston with the Tea Party. I mean, it's just everywhere on the East Coast. So um, I came out here um, being a lover of history and I came out here and kind of thought, okay, I need to kind of, this is a very new state and I need to kind of see what their history is all about out here. Wow. Yeah. As I was mentioning, I think, I think a lot of people sort of get that idea that, that at first, you know, California always seems to be the state that's in flux and then it, it seems to be the eternal present or the future and then you begin to realize, wait, wh- where is the history? And then as you start to, to turn over stones and look around you, you begin to see, no, there's actually something here. So, but you know, what's interesting and that I love about California is I love its progressiveness. I love that you can do anything. You can um, create, you know, you can recreate yourself. There's so many things that you can do here in California that because of the traditions that are steeped on the East Coast, they're not as acceptable of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and maybe that's been the way it's always been when you think about it. Some people always coming to start over here. Yes. So what, what prompted you to, to actually start walking between the different missions? Well, I had wanted to learn more about California, as I'd said, and I am always up for, you know, kind of a little bit of a challenge. I had, um, I had summited Mount Whitney and I had done that and I had hiked the Grand Canyon rim to rim. And I was kind of toying with the idea, you know, well, how am I going to see, I don't want to just drive California because you don't see anything because you're staring straight ahead. Right. So um, I read an article in Westways Magazine, which is our AAA, the Automobile Club magazine that we get here in Southern California. And the article was about a gentleman, a retired school teacher from Oregon, 72 years old, and he walked from the San Diego mission up to the Sonoma mission in 55 days straight. Wow. Yeah, exactly. I was like, Wow. Okay. At 72. So I think I can do this. And I thought, well, this really sounds like a great way to learn about this state. I mean, what what better way? And so um, I said, all right, I'm going to do it. Now, I'm not retired, so I couldn't take 55 days off straight to do it, nor nor (laughs) do I have the stamina. So (laughs) it was a good thing I couldn't. So I said, well, I think what I need to do is I need to break it up into um, 12 months. And it ended up taking 10 months as opposed to 12. But I said, okay, so every month I'm going to walk 80 miles over a long weekend. And I'm going to invite people to come along, whoever wants to walk with me, whoever wants to join me can come on out and they can walk any segment of the walk with me. And so that's kind of how it happened. Um, that's how I, I came up with the idea. Well, that's really interesting. And yeah, the idea of doing it in one fell swoop is kind of intimidating, like you said, for those of us who are still working or, or maybe don't have the stamina. But the idea of breaking it up, that's, that's what really appealed to me when I, uh, when I read your book. Now, you said you invited a lot of people to come along with you. And I noticed in the book, 
a whole lot did. Why do you think oh, they yeah. wanted to join you? Well, you know what? It was so funny because <laughs> when I first said, I was telling my husband, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk the uh i'm gonna walk the length of california he's like you know have fun (laughs) sure i said and i'm gonna see if people want to do it with me he said boy do you think anybody's gonna want to do that well i sent this email out and i was floored how many people said i'd love to you know i'll walk the los angeles leg with you or i'll walk the you know santa clara leg with you or whatever and I ended up having this great response from people who wanted to at least walk one of the legs with me to see what it was like. They were very curious. And the thing that was so fun is that I started walking with people I knew. And if you read the book, then you kind of, you know, you found this out that all of a sudden, I, you know, I was journaling on Facebook as I was walking. And I would be talking about my walk. Well, there is a group of people in California, unbeknownst to me, called the California Mission Walkers. And this group has just grown and grown. Well, they were following me on Facebook. And so these complete strangers would go on Facebook and they'd say, well, you know, you're just about to walk through my area. We, you know, my wife and I would love to put you up at our house and we can make you dinner and et cetera, et cetera. And I'd even like to walk a day or two with you. And it became kind of, you know, I always say kind of like this Pied Piper-ish kind of thing. You know, it was, it was me and my cadre of people. Um, and And that just amazed me, amazed me how complete strangers started to take me in and they would, if I ended one day and I was a little bit further from where I was going to stay that night, they would drive me to where the hotel, I mean, the hotel was, they would feed me. It really, really ended up to be a a study in how humanity really is good. It's not bad. Like we always see on the news. And I think that's one of the, the things that sort of makes these uh, these treks, these long journeys so attractive to us is the friends you make, maybe the unexpected friends you make along the way and what you find out about humanity. That's, that's amazing. Is there a particular uh, moment or episode or memory that you have that, that stands out most of all? Um. You know, it, it's, it's so hard to have just one moment um, that stood out. Um, there, there's numerous moments, um, you know, unfortunately halfway through the walk, my father passed away back in Florida Mm -hmm. and I, um, you know, I, I had to finish this walk on a certain amount of time because I'm a travel journalist by trade and the San Diego Union Tribune had hired me to write an article about this walk. And it was going to publish the very first weekend, the very first Sunday of January as kind of like a new year, new you um, piece. Oh, wow. So I didn't have the option to take a break. And so I had to, I flew home for his funeral. And then I ended up having to miss a month of walking because of that. So when I came back, I had to cover twice as much ground. And the outpour of, you know, the outpouring of people that just said, you know what, we're going to walk with you. We're going to come and walk with you. We want to, you know, keep you company and et cetera. I had people that would walk 
they, you know, originally they had walked maybe in January or, you know, some particular month with me. And then they came back and walked a second time with me. And, you know, it just, it, it just was t- to see this is, I think that's the part that sticks out the most with me is to see um, how these people really kind of banded, you know, they, they all banded together mm. and, and they just kind of made sure that this walk was going to happen. Wow. Yeah. Did you have a, a particular mission or missions that, that you were attracted to or you found to be most beautiful or interesting? Well, you know what was interesting, I felt, is that, number one, the thing with every mission is that I couldn't believe the love that the people that care for these missions that they have for the missions. Mm. I mean, they really, the majority of the people are volunteers. They're, they really are, they take such pride in these missions. And, and what was interesting is that if I would stop at a, if I be at a mission, so let's say for example, mission San Miguel, it's out in the middle of really nowhere. And have you been to have you been to the missions? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Okay. San Miguel's one of my favorites, precisely because of how sort of far off the beaten path it is. Yes, and I got there, and so you know that it's this little town. They don't even have a stoplight. You know, mm-hmm. they don't have a traffic light. It's a stop sign. It's this little town. But the people adore this mission. And a number of years ago, there was an earthquake. And so they were not able to hold mass in the mission because they had to repair the mission and retrofit it. And so for five years, they held mass underneath this large white cross that was in kind of the garden courtyard area. And, you know, it just it's just the love that these people had for this little mission and then the antithesis of that was the mission in Carmel. It's in a very wealthy area. It happens to be the mission where Winnipeg Sarah is buried. And so that mission is just beautiful. I mean, it's opulent in, you know, opulent in the way a mission could be, you know. Right. It's, it's, it's well taken care of and it's it's large and they have a large parish and it's just very different. Same with San Juan Capistrano. That is where father Sarah is said to have said mass at the Sarah chapel. And when you walk in there, the entire altar is gold and it's just breathtaking, you know? So I really was taken aback at how different the missions were. Um, as far as, you know, some very simple, some of them are state parks, um, La Parisima is a state park and you go there and you feel like, okay, I guess this is really what the mission was like that many years ago. So that was fascinating to see the difference. You know, I think one of the things that you, that sort of you're pointing out when you say this is that the missions are still living communities. There are people taking care of them. They, they've got a sort of a life of their own and they're, they're still alive. Oh, very much so. Very much so. It, it really, it, it took me aback, you know, that, that it was like that. There's a little, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with an area called Fort Hunter Liggett. Oh, yeah, it, where San Antonio is. Yes, Mission San Antonio. There is only 33 families that are, the, the entire parish is made up of only 33 families. That is a small, small mission. 
But let me tell you, there is two women that are there every day and they are there to greet people that come in. You can even spend the night there at that particular mission. And it was interesting because that is beside the military base, Fort Hunter Liggett. And years ago, William Randolph Hearst owned all that land, 186,000 acres. And he gave the land to the military under the stipulation that 80, I think it was 80 acres were set aside that the mission was on and that that would remain the mission and the mission land. And to this day, it still has. Yeah, San Antonio is is just one of those those places where you're you're stepping back in time. I was I was lucky enough. A, a good friend of mine was married at the mission. His wife's uh, family always had a long connection with the mission, and we were able to go there and actually spend the night in one of those rooms and wake oh, up in the morning at the at the mission. It was just a wonderful experience. Oh yeah, I can imagine. I mean, then you can really feel like what it was like many years ago. Exactly, exactly. And did you, um, I mean, you broke it up, you broke the trip up over 10 months, but, uh, and you mentioned the, the difficulty when, you're, when your father passed away. Were you ever tempted or did life get in, in between and, and tempted to say, just say, okay, I don't think I can finish this? Um, you know, I didn't say that. There were days that I cried mm. <laughs> where I was like, oh, why am I doing this? I mean, really, I was thinking, what am I doing? You know, it wasn't like it was mandatory, but um, I didn't think that I would, I didn't think of quitting um, because I had the article I was going to write and I had already committed to that. So I knew I had to do that. And also, I, I, you know, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. You know, it's like if I'm going to make a commitment, then I'm just going to follow through or else I won't make the commitment. So, you know, were there days I questioned why? Yes. Were there days I said, nope, I don't want to do this anymore? No. And, you know, it just so it, it, there's times when I was walking in 102 degree weather and there was no shade and I'm pouring water all over myself and, you know, I'm questioning sanity. Yes. <laughs> and there was times when there was no shoulder to the road and I'm walking over a mountain pass to get to some of the missions that are inland. Because if you see, if you look at a map, some are on the way on the coast, then you go over past inland, then you come back over to the coast, then you come back out. And, and that was really treacherous. And I thought, oh, my word, this is just, this is, you know, ludicrous that I'm doing this. So that, yes, crossed my mind many times. But to quit, no. So how do you think the, the trip changed you or did it change you? Um, you know, the, the, the three things that I took away from that trip is one that there is a reserve really, really deep inside everybody when it's called upon, when you just have to, you know, cause there are times that I just thought I can't do this. And the other thing is that, you know, friendships and family and we tend to you know take it a little bit for granted or we tend to just kind of oh yeah yeah but they really are kind of you know the heartbeat of life they are the people that will rally around you and they will come and you know when needed and the third thing is what I'd said earlier is that you know we watch the news, we read the newspaper and we think you know oh my word should we even step outside our door but 
basically humanity is very, very good. I mean, there was a couple times that friends and I, we actually had to hitchhike, you know, and hitchhiking nowadays is not, you know, but these wonderful people would pick us up and say, where do you need to go? I mean, it just, you know, people really, the majority of people are very good. Wow, that's incredible. I mean, you, I've always heard growing up stories about hitchhiking. It's just, um, but it's wonderful when you when you see um, that human beings surprise you. Yes. You know, um, you were talking about the um, the fact that you know to walk between the missions, you have to go over mountains or alongside highways or no shoulder roads, etc. Is there? Knowing what you know now about the trip, is there anything you would have done differently if you were to start over and do it again tomorrow? Um, I think what I would have done differently um, was I would have made sure that my footwear was a little, you know, it took me a couple months until I finally got to where it was the best that it was going to be. My, my um, moleskin and then toe socks and then my shoes were you know, a size and a half larger than usual, you know, because your feet are so swollen. I mean, I was always kidding around friends telling them I'd be wearing clown shoes by the time I get to Sonoma because (laughs) they just were getting larger and larger. And there's no way that you can ever not have pain. But, you know, I wish I would have started from the very get-go. Like I found out in a few months into it that it helps to have walking sticks because it took a little bit of the pressure off walk, you know, my my feet. Um, I found out that there's compression socks that really help. But, you know, all this I found out with each each, you know, month. So that I would really look into that a little bit more. But other than that, I don't think there was much else I could have changed because, you know, the El Camino Real is the 101 and you cannot walk directly on the 101. So I had to I had to go to Google Maps and see which way that I could kind of, you know, follow the 101 without actually being on it. And then the gentleman, the retired school teacher, he wrote step by step by step turn for his entire walk when he had done it. So I, I had his, um, his notes too. So I couldn't really change either of those two. Right. Well, would you, you know, I know that this idea has come up in the past, uh, and I, I think it comes up every so often, the idea of actually creating a trail, um, Sort of like the idea of the, the Camino de Santiago in Spain between the missions. What, what do you think about something like that? Well, they're trying to do that now. In fact, this California Mission Walkers group are trying desperately to find a way that they can make this um, – how do I say? Make it um, – Something that would appeal to people. The problem now is there's two problems. One, there is no infrastructure. So when you walk the Camino de Santiago, there's these little towns and they have, you know, places where you can buy something to drink or eat or relax or whatever. But when you get into central California on this walk, there's there's nothing. I mean, mm-hmm. you can walk the entire day. And if you happen to get to that one little grocery store that's in the middle of nowhere um, and it's closed, you're out of luck. 
So you must make sure that you have enough water on you and you must make sure that you are, you know, that you're not having to stop anywhere. So they need to change the infrastructure and they need to make it so that some of the roads aren't as dangerous that you're walking on. And for that reason, you know, I don't see it. You know, we nickname it. We call it the Calmino, the C-A-L-M-I-N-O for the California Camino. But um, one particular woman I walked with, she had walked the Camino de Santiago. So she thought, oh, I'll walk a section with you on the, you know, the California Camino. And she made it for one day and she said, I'm going home. She said, this is nothing like the Santiago. And she said, this is just way too difficult. We were walking through Salinas and walking through veggie fields and, you know, just it, yeah, it's it's a long way from being a tourist, a tourist walk. It's a long way to go. Well, yeah. hey, what about the, can you tell us a little bit more about the California Mission Walkers? What have yeah. you learned about them? Well, you know what? They are an amazing group. And the interesting thing about them, okay, when I finished my walk, I was only the 11th person to ever walk the entire trail. Oh, wow. Because a lot of these California mission walkers, you know, they don't really want to walk all of it, but they may live up in San Francisco. And so they'll walk maybe to San Rafael, Sonoma, you know, and a couple of them there. Um, or they live in Central California and they'll walk to a few of them. And, you know, they just they're um, they just really like like we were talking earlier, they just really love the missions and they would like to be able to go and experience these missions. Um, I think now there's probably maybe about 15 people that have walked the whole thing. Um, so, you know, but they're a really neat group. And what they what they're trying to do is they're trying to form some kind of a path that will be safe and that they can walk, that people can walk on and then have little markers like at Santiago they have the shell you know where the the shell is along the path and they're trying but it, I think you know it, it's going to take quite a while right well it's a pretty exclusive group only 15 people that have done it and so yeah, yeah and so you're part of that group um if if somebody else gets inspired and wants to do what you did, what, um, what advice would you have for, for somebody like, like me who want, who's interested in doing it? Well, you know, I tell people, cause I have a number of people that ask me that. And I think the best thing to do is to take a section. So you, you're up in Santa Clara, you said, right. So maybe take a section there that will be about, 60 miles or 70 miles or whatever and just walk that but but walk it like in consecutive days so that you get a feeling of what it would be like to to walk this because you have to keep in mind that a you're carrying everything on your back you know so you have a backpack on Uh, many people camp I'm not a camper not a camper unless I'm on the moon or something like that where there is no hotel. <laughs> but I am, I made it a point that at uh, from A to B at the end of that day that there will be a motel or something somewhere to stay at. But I always tell people, in fact, a group of people, a group of California mission walkers in September walked from the Mission Ocala in San Diego to San Luis Rey in Oceanside and then to San Juan Capistrano, and they took, I think, about four or five days. And it really gave people a good sense of what it would be like to do this mission walk. 
And that's what I would suggest to you if you're going to do it. Pick two or three missions and walk to them. Okay, yeah, that sounds like a, a doable idea. That makes sense. And the other thing, too, is that really be, you know, like we always tell people, be, you know, be really aware of how much you're carrying in your pack. You know, by the, by, <laughs> you know, after a while, it was like I was carrying a toothbrush. I was wearing the same pair of pants every day. Mm -hmm. It was like, you just do not want to. I would buy T-shirts really cheaply at Costco, and then I would throw it out at the end of the day and put another one on. So that by the fourth day when I was the most tired, my pack was the lightest. So you had a system. You had it down to a system. Yeah, which it kind of evolved through the months. But yeah, I did have a system probably by, the time, by, by about the fourth or fifth month. Well, that makes sense. What um, what made you want to put this all into a book? Well, you know what I had, I was not going to put it into a book, which is funny because you know I I've written books before, guidebooks, and um, so I had you know journaled this, and I had a number of people say to me, you know, I this just needs to be a book. You need to. There's not a lot of people that have done this, and this is a good this is a good story as to what all is involved to walk this. And I didn't want it to be deep or anything like that. And one thing I told myself that I would only journal at the end of every day's walk because if you write about something a week or two out, you put like rose-colored glasses on it. Oh, it was great! I loved it. You know. But if you write about something at the end of the day, it's much more raw. It's much more honest. And so at the end of every day is when I would journal. And people would read this and they said, you just, this has to be a book and your photos and, you know, it just, go for it. And I kind of vacillated back and forth, back and forth. And then I thought, all right, let's do it. So it turned into a book. Well, I think that's kind of what makes the book so so fun and accessible is you really do get that that sense that these are your thoughts right after right after you've gotten a chance to sit down at the end of the trail and 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 think about what what you've done. So I, I think that was a fantastic idea. Oh, thank you. So, um, any final thoughts about the trip? Anything you'd want to leave us with? Um, you know, I, I always tell people, you know, and, and myself included, I look at something and I go, I want to do that. But you really have to know your limits and you have to really be prepared for, you know, something. It, it's much harder than it sounds. Um, and that if you do get into something like this and it's just not for you, then stop, you know, just don't keep doing it. Um, you know, and even I tell people, if you walk to two missions, that's fine. You've walked to two missions. That's great. You you are a mission walker. If you've walked to one or two missions, you're still a mission walker. So I tell people that. And then also people always say, am I going to walk the Camino to Santiago? And it is an emphatic no. 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 Because I, I told my husband, if I say hey, I think I might go walk to Santiago. I said, tie me to a chair. <laughs> Do not. Because, you know, that's a lot. That's you back to the same thing. It's walking 16 miles a day for 33, 35 days straight. Right, right. 
Well, Maggie Espinosa, uh, where can people get a copy of your book? Um, you could get on my website, which is travelwithmaggie.com, and there's a section that says books, or you can get it on Amazon. Um, and if you get it on Amazon, then I will send it to you and you can let me know how you would want me to personalize it. I can personalize it to people or whatever. And I can, as I have, I can vouch for the fact that Maggie does personalize the book. And as you mentioned, you have your own website. You're a travel writer, travelwithmaggie.com. What do you cover on your website? Oh, I tell you, from soup to nuts. That's an old saying, but that's what I cover. I cover everything from petting whales in Mexico to swimming with pigs in the Bahamas to going to Guatemala to everything. Anything that has to do with travel. Well, that's great. Maggie, this has been very inspirational. Um, I sure to me and I'm sure to many other people who will listen to this, I want to get out and start walking between the missions closest to my house and maybe I can make it to all 21 of them eventually. Yay! <laughs> so, so Maggie, thank you so much for taking the time to tell us about your book, On a Mission, An 800-Mile Walk to Discover California's El Camino Real. And... Um, it was really great, and I, I hope that other people will get inspired by what they read in this wonderful book. Well, thank you very much, Damien. It's been nice talking with you. So what are the takeaways from my conversation with Maggie? Well, I'd say, first of all, number one, everyone has a reserve inside. You can do more than what you think you can. Secondly, friendship and family are the heartbeat of life. And thirdly, humanity is good. No matter what things happen, we know that ultimately people are good. That's what Maggie took away from her journey. She also wrote about things at the end of the day when they were still raw. That helped her to avoid rose-colored glasses when thinking about her adventures. The caretakers of the missions have a great love for these places. That's another thing that she learned along the way. And, as you always heard, as you heard, footwear is important. Maggie also reminds us to create a system when you're thinking about doing this. And know your limits. Know when to stop and know when you've pushed yourself enough. For more information about this interview, including links to Maggie's book, her website, and the Facebook page of the California Mission Walkers, Go to www.californiafrontier.net slash 001. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the California Frontier Podcast. If you liked what you heard, consider leaving a review on iTunes. It's a great way for other people to find out about the show. Also, be sure to check out our website at www.californiafrontier.net. There, you'll find the show notes for this episode. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Pinterest. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, make sure and drop me a line at damian at californiafrontier.net.